I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what race I he mean, picked. So, it's possible. so what I'm hearing is that we need another panel for next year that's just everybody come and talk about their character stories. So, <laughs> or he can be a lizard folk and be lizard people. So everybody's going to create a character this year and next year we want to hear next stories year, about yeah, the character. You're going to come back here and you're going to tell us about it. Tell us how they died. <laughs> and with that happy thing, let's start this panel. If you haven't guessed by now, this is creating characters for Dungeons and Dragons uh, in five easy steps. You can play someone else. It's lots of fun. My name is Lauren. You might know me as Oboe Crazy. I'm the community manager for D&D Beyond. Sing the theme song. It's lots of fun. We're going to introduce the rest of the panel right now. Why don't we just go down the line? Please introduce yourselves and tell us how we know you. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jules. You may know me as Jules. Um, I play uh, a gnome cleric on Dungeon Drugs. Her name is Bernice Q. Burns, and I play with uh, all of these fools right here. Uh, John, you may also know me as that film guy on the Twitters. Uh, I am part of the Dungeon Drunks crew. I play Carlton Tanks, and I also DM and write for Adventurers League. Uh, I'm Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular on Dungeon Drunks and a couple other podcasts uh, uh, in our community. And I play uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular, as I mentioned, and he is a, a human evocation wizard. He loves to blast things. Thank you. Fireballs. <laughs> I'm Tom. Uh, some people, if you're from the Austin community, might know me as Dr. Tom. I'm basically a staple of the Mothership community. Um, I'm essentially the Mothership house gnome. Lauren just kind of leaves out Monster and Pringles and stuff, and I try not to cause too much trouble. Um, but I play in almost every game at Mothership, so if you come by the store, you'll probably see me hanging around if you're from the Austin area. And I'm Lauren Akamine. I am the owner-operator of Mothership Books and Games on North Austin. And... I don't play a lot of D&D these days because I have to coordinate all my DMs, which is a very sad life for me. Um, but when I do play, I'm usually playing Demetrius, the most fabulous transgendered cross-dressing fairy rogue on the planet. Thank you very much. I love it. <laughs> so we are here because if you've never played D&D before, we're here to show you how easy it is to just create a new character. If you have played D&D before, maybe this will give you some ideas about new ways to play or new characters to go after. The takeaway here that I'll start and end is that there's really no wrong way of doing this. The joy of D&D is that you get to make up what you want and you get to play what you want and you get to just have fun doing it. So there's no hard and fast rules here, except maybe talk to your DM, because talking to your DM is really the biggest thing. Talk to your DM, ask them, you know, what do they want to run? What do you want to run? It's collaborative storytelling. That's half the fun. So, we're going to start at the beginning. You need an idea. I'm going to sit down and go play Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. <laughs> Can I start for me because of Canada? No, because I wanted to be a lumberjack. <laughs> but, you know, Canada. So, you want to start off with an idea. Maybe your idea is, I want to be Hawkeye from the Avengers. Maybe your idea is, I want to be Gandalf. Maybe your idea is, oh, I've heard about this bard thing, and this bard thing sounds cool. Maybe you saw a picture of tabaxi in one of the the D&D guides, and you're like, that looks cool, I want to play that. Maybe you just have this vague idea of, I want to be a baker who whacks things with spoons. There's really no wrong way to start. It's just a matter of having that seed to start from. So the first question I have for our illustrious panel is, uh, what do you do when you're trying to come up with a new character idea? Where do you usually start? Uh, I guess I'll start. So I 
play a lot of AL, so that gives me PHB plus one. Uh, so a lot of times I'll kind of go off People of... People who've never played Dungeons and Dragons. If you've never played Dungeons and Dragons, PHB plus one means player's handbook plus one other source. So that kind of, it's like, all right, what do I want to play in this campaign? Who am I playing with? What am I going to play? So it's like, oh, I'm going to play a cleric, and then I kind of build it from there. Another thing I like to do is hit the uh, random button on D&D Beyond, and I've made a bunch of characters, like just came up with backstories based on random. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like, I listen to a shit ton of history podcasts. Uh, highly recommend stuff you missed in history class and, like, the dollop. But it's filled with people who have done strange and wonderful things with their lives, and it's, like, one of the greatest inspirations because they had an episode on a man who was a con man and sold the Eiffel Tower twice. <laughs> and if that does, and I was like, I would like to play the kind of character that has the level of charisma that could sell. I was like, I want to play a character that just scams people. So there's, I think, like, I think really there's inspiration in everywhere you go. Like, a, they had an episode about a woman who told people she was Andrew Carnegie's bastard daughter. So you can never talk to him about it, but you need to give her money in his name. So I think it's, there's literally, like, I will be listening to something, I'll be like, that, I want to do that, I want to have a person who acts like that. So for me, a lot of inspiration is less like, oh, I want to play this, though I have decided that when we were three owls in a trench coat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's a lot of like, oh, I want to, I want to see if I can create a character who will react this way in these situations, like... To expand on three hours in a trench coat, we were playing in a Meanwhile in Barovia game, and we, not even trying to, all showed up with halfling characters. Yeah. <laughs> so we became three halflings in a trench coat. Yeah, we decided we would be a traveling circus yep. that was really bad at it. Like... And we would just be three owls in a trench. You do There was no, like, rolling. There was no, I want to be this. I was like... What if we were all horrible, horrible traveling circus people? I was a bard that had a Picard, uh, a flute named Picard. I was a druid with no charisma. <laughs> she could talk to animals. That was pretty great. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, I picked that druid based on the fact that in the Xanthar's Guide, right, there was a, some expansions, and there's a druid that was basically a Disney princess. She could always talk to animals. I'd never played a druid before, and I was like, I want to do that. I want her to be socially awkward, and I want her to be like, Hi, and I was like, "This is what we're gonna do," and the rest kind of you gotta find whatever is like getting at you to be that thing or play that thing. The rest kind of falls into place. How about the rest of you? I think so. For me, I actually go the opposite approach. Is like really? pretty much I go for a character that is nothing like me at all or anything that I would ever want to be because I think that just makes it then like more of a challenge. I'm not then. here to scam you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even it's just like, oh, you know, because every time otherwise, if I want to do something that I want to do, every time I always play a rogue, like hands down, like, oh, we're going to build a character. I'm like, I'm going to be a rogue. Like, and always the arcane trickster rogue, which is the most useless rogue on the planet. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started recently just like, okay, what do I never touch? What do I never try to be? Like, what am I also like? tap into sort of like, what am I scared to be? What am I scared to express? Um, and so honestly, D&D has really been doing like a lot of soul searching for me and just like sort of bringing out characteristics or exploring characteristics of myself that I never would have even gone near. So it makes it a lot more fun that way. 
Or, it, it, this has recently been pointing out to me, I like to play characters where I get to practice doing things I wish I was better at. Yeah. So, you know, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be this character that always wants to be the person that helps somebody else. And it's like, well, this is something I want to be in myself, too. So what, what actually works for that? Do I want to be a cleric? Do I want to be a bard? You know, how about the rest of you? Where do you start when you're creating a character? I think when I'm starting a new character, a lot of times the first thing I think about is what's the personality of that character. Uh, I don't really care what the race or the class is. Part of it's because role-playing is such an important part of the game to me, um, playing and embodying that character when I'm playing it. So I think you know, coming up with some basic personality traits or quirks, I, I think I tend to lean towards looking at that bonds and flaws and personality traits part of the character sheet first and trying to, trying to kind of decide what character I can play for my friends um, and then basically build out from there. So. Yeah, you always seem to find a character that you can like be a good performer with. Yeah. <laughs> you do character voices? I do. Uh-huh. Uh, I, for me... <laughs> Give us some character voice if you please. Oh, man. Do um, the horse lady. <laughs> No, the lady. No, I, can't, the... I can't do the horse lady because people coming to play my game later tonight might see the horse lady. But <gasps> man, that's what's supposed to be there you lot. go. Spoilers. Show um, up. Here, the horse lady. That's a sentence I just said. That's the other is, reason to play D and D. You get to say things you never thought you'd ever looks say. Like a horse. Like, come tonight and hear the horse lady. And then you get the question answered, is she a lady that looks like a horse or a horse that looks like a lady? I yes. think also that lady is on that app we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean Dungeons and Dating? Oh, oh yeah. Adventure. 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 Horse Lady is definitely on Dungeons and Dating. <laughs> um, so, for, for me, the, the next character is kind of always the thing that I've played least. So, uh, I play a wizard, so I haven't really wanted to go back and revisit Wizard again. Uh, the last couple of characters I've come up with, I came up with a bard and just because I'd never played Bard before, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be super interesting. But um, I decided to not, like, we, we'll get into the min-maxing here a little bit, but I decided that I wanted this character to be really good at what he, what he did, which was Barding, but not really good for where he was, which is a wilderness campaign. So I made a socially adept city-ish minotaur Bard um, that was, had no survival skills at all, massive charisma, but could not find his way out of a city park and dumped him into the wilderness to establish a new colony. Um, uh, his name is uh, Darius Spiros. Uh, you can call me Dare if you want. Um, I'm a Minotaur. Uh, I also play music. Uh, I mentioned before I was a Minotaur. I'm very proud of being a Minotaur. May I tell you more about Minotaur history? And that was kind of his <laughs> thing. Like he was, he was there to like get money so he could build a new labyrinth because his last labyrinth had gotten uh, foreclosed on. <laughs> <laughs> He had a six intel. He had a. I think I ended up with a uh, eighteen uh, charisma and a six intelligence before, before he died at the bottom of a river. Aww. Water deviant taxes are no joke. Oh no, he 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 signed a terrible. His interest rate was awful, <laughs> and, and so that's kind of what I go. It's like, okay, what do I want to do next? Because what haven't I not done in the past? And and that that's really what makes it fun. And that's half the fun is all these people just talked about literally six different ways to create a character from six different perspectives, some of them crunchy, some of them just, oh, this kind of sounds like fun. Um, and as always, what I'd also always recommend is talk to your DM. Ask them about what kind of game are they running. Uh, talk to the rest of the people in your party. Uh, I tend to like to play characters that fill in a gap 
So everybody else has already picked their character and I'm like, oh, we've got a this, a this, a this, and a this. You could really use a cleric because it's always a cleric. So I, I tend to fill in gaps. So talk to the other people in your party, talk to your DM. Maybe there'll be some inspiration there. If you play a cleric, everybody will be your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. You get lots of free shit as a cleric too. Yeah. I find the biggest fills are like cleric and then like paladin because a lot of like a, a lot of people want to be those awesome like rogues and warlocks and stuff that do tons of damage or do awesome stuff and they could really use a tank buddy. You could really use someone up in their front lines with them and like paladin is really good because it fills their like a, ba- a backup healer but also you know full attack bonus you know heavy armor and stuff so they're up there kind of taking the punishment too. I think yeah filling a role was how I ended up with the character that I'm playing right now in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think you had that moment of you fools need a healer. No, I had that moment of they were like, we're going to have a this, a this, and a this, and everybody responded to the email before me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, guess I'm a cleric. Okay. Power of dibs. <laughs> but I loved it because I took it and I did something with it that felt like me or felt like a thing I would enjoy playing. Like, she, I love, I love the cleric I play now. Nobody uh, can do her but you. Nobody can, yeah. Ain't no other her but me. Bernie, uh, Bernie is my wife's favorite character. Oh, she not, likes me not better me, not than Jonathan you. Not Jonathan, that's muscular, <laughs> Bernie. That, yeah. And that actually segues very nicely into step two on our five-step world domination plan. We've talked like a very tiny bit about numbers. And if you're new to D&D, you might have heard about, well, there's ability scores and numbers and math. And yeah, that's there. But the genesis for these characters and for a lot of D&D is the ideas behind them. The numbers can come later. So you've got your initial idea. You're going to play a whatever for whatever reason. And now you've got to build out that idea. So there's all kinds of resources in the, the core rule books, especially the player's handbook of backgrounds and different, uh, if you're a spellcaster of like, okay, what kind of spells do I want to run? If you're uh, someone who's going to be whacking people with swords, are you whacking people with swords or maces? That can tell people a lot about your character. So you've come up with that initial idea. You started to browse through the player's handbook. Um, where do you go from there that doesn't include ability score numbers? What's your next step? Well, if you want to, so I'm going to go real Charlie Day with the red yarn here. Uh, in Adventurers League, I created, uh, two seasons ago, I created uh, a pirate. And now every single character I have, I have the D&D uh, cinematic universe. All of my characters are connected somehow. Uh, <laughs> So either directly familial or, like, in passing they've worked with each other, like, spent time on his boat. Uh, but, like, I played him, then I played his son, now I'm playing the wife. I also have his bastard. Uh, I have people that worked on his boat. And then it expanded into other players at our game store who were like, hey, I want a piece of this pie. So it was like, hey, what was the name of the boat again? What was the... So, you know, we kind of just created a cinematic universe of D&D. This is, for those of you who are familiar with the C team, this is, like, somebody deciding to be uh, one of Rosie B. Stinger's... Uh, family, basically. It's just, I want to so, yeah. be a bee stinger. That's I want to be one of those. That's the Charlie Day Red Yarn Carol! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, a lot of times, once I've kind of come up with an idea and, and kind of been like, okay, you know, I've got, I've got the character in sort of like bare-bones form, um, the next thing I kind of think of is the, mechanically, the backgrounds and the feats. 
Like, do, is this character going to be taking any feats? Um, what's the background going to be? And then that kind of informs when I want to go to him next. Uh, I'm coming up with a character uh, for, un, for another show called, uh, he's going to be a, probably a cleric, but when I was kind of building him out and filling him out, I'm like, well, he's going to have a very specific role in this village in this community, he's going to be the blacksmith, so clearly he's going to be like a guild artisan. But you don't, like, just because he's going to do that doesn't have to mean he's come from, he came from that uh, sort of background. Uh, I had another idea for a warforge that would be a blacksmith, but he was actually an assassin thousands of years ago, and he's forgotten that life. So his background would have been like a, like a criminal or like a scoundrel or something like that. It's just, he has that in his mind, it's just not forefront, but and then when he gets into trouble and, you know, all the stuff starts, then uh, all of it comes back to him. The Warforged Jason Bourne. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like, he's just, like, he's been at the bottom of the ocean when he was be being shipped somewhere. And, um, and uh, or he was, like, he got lost and then fell under a tree and a dryad's been talking to him. Is this for, the like, character you're going to play in the campaign that fell apart with mine? Uh, sort of, yeah. I was actually, um, when, they, when they approached me and were like, hey, do, what character do you want to bring? I was really sad that I wasn't going to play him. Gotcha. And, uh, and so, I, yeah, I, I repurposed him for that. Nice. And then I, I was sad that my bard died at the bottom of a river. So, and I really liked doing that voice, kind of the old English accent. So now that accent is going to be for this character. And uh, so I'm repurposing because I just love doing that voice. And that's actually that. a good point. Like I said, the game that I said that fell apart, that can happen. But you can take these characters elsewhere. Like, the character is you. It's not part of this campaign. Obviously, talk to your DMs about moving them around. But, you know, it's, you're creating a thing that's yours. Own it. And so we've brought up a couple times voices. And if you've watched We're going to get that horse lady. If you've watched <laughs> any D&D &D on Twitch or on YouTube, depending on who you're watching, they're probably doing voices. I know a bunch of us do voices for characters. Voices are not necessary. None of us are voice actors. Um, there is that one show full of voice actors, and they're kind of cool. <laughs> but you don't feel like you have to do a voice. This is my voice. This can also be my character voice. That being said... You do good voices, Lauren. Well, thank you. I she do... does scary voices. Holy shit. <laughs> Microphones help with that, I'll say. So that can go along with this. Say you do want to do a voice. You would like to come up with a voice for your character. What do you do when you're looking for something different than your normal voice? Oh, my... Well, so here's a piece of advice to not follow. Is uh, do not do what I do sometimes, which is pick the most obnoxious fucking voice you can come up with. <laughs> And then decide to play the character with your friends for like five years. <laughs> there is or, a difference between an NPC voice and a PC voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so be aware difference. when, especially if you're trying to get a campaign that's going to be an ongoing thing. Yeah, don't pick yeah. that voice that you're going to start wanting to dig your eyes out after a while. Yeah. I mean, like what I think for me, so I'm, I'm from the South, so a lot of my voices are just weirdo people that I've met, like. One of my voices is this woman that I met in Wimpy's Grill who was, like, wearing the moo, moo she bought in 1955. And, uh, hold on, see if I can do it. Uh, this was for Banjo Deborah Jones. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Uh, who died in, like, the first game I played her in, but I'm still waiting to, to find her. But she was, she's amazing. We were in this grill, and it was, she was like... I'm going to order a biscuit with some fat back and tomato and mayonnaise and an extra side of fat back. And I don't know who she was talking to, but she just like looked around. She's like, oh, I love me some fat back. And I decided that would be a voice that I would do for like... <laughs> <laughs> 
And that was like the whole character was built around the lady from Wimpy's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> to go along with what you were saying about the difference, if you're a DM, you can bust out a whole bunch of voices that you're only going to have to play for a like, little while. Like but Tim? Like Tim. Um, I will recommend car rides and showers are a great place to yeah. experiment. Yep. So you don't have to, you know, and especially car rides because then you can just pretend you're talking to someone on a Bluetooth phone. You look over and someone sees you being like, hi, how you doing? Oh, no. <laughs> you think people can't hear you in the shower, though? Yeah, my husband on a regular basis will open the door and be like, are you okay? No, I'm just practicing voices. My other suggestion, if you find a voice you like, try it out for a little while, and then if it's something that might be a little taxing, go on YouTube and do a look for vocal warm-ups. Find yourself a five-minute, really simple vocal warm-up. Because sometimes, if you're doing something with some vocal fry in it, just having a little bit of warm-up means you can go for two hours. But don't hurt yourself. But that's, that's my suggestion for, like, if you want to go for something extreme, find yourself a little vocal warm-up. But any, any yeah, other I vocal also, suggestions? So the thing I try to do is because I really hate doing the, like, changing the pitch and the, you know... Um, that part of my voice. So I just try to work on accents, yeah. which I have now abandoned because I am terrible at it. <laughs> but here's but, the good thing. You don't have to be good at accents because these are made-up people in no, a made-up <laughs> world. So my German accent is awful, but it's not really German. It's like from this place in Faerun, and so it can be really bad. So, since no, the, the problem is all of my accents basically meld together into the yeah. same accent. <laughs> so. Also, if anyone that you're playing with is doing a Russian accent, I'll tell you a rule tried and true. Your accent will be a Russian accent by the end of that game. Yeah, yeah kind of. It's, yeah. it's the, it's the, the no towards which everybody gets. I just try to go for the Rocky Bullwinkle version, like, Boris, he's <laughs> Moose and Squirrel. Well, that's, that's squirrel. one of the things that I've really liked about the inclusion of our animal characters getting a voice, is that we've gotten to try out different stuff. I got to use the dog voice that we made up for my sister's dog. You have people, like, I think, so I, if you have a dog, you have a voice for your dog, and if you guys are like, she's crazy, <laughs> you're lying to yourself. Uh, every, raise your hand if you have a dog, and you, like, talk to your dog in a dog voice. That's a character voice. You, you want to play, like, a fun, lovable idiot? There you go. There's your dog Especially voice. Especially if you have right a golden there. retriever. Yeah. Um, that, that became I, I, Shadow the Bear. That became Shadow the Bear. Uh, I, you talked about Russian accents. That became... Uh, Baron von Kokosnut. Baron von Kokosnut came out of Reddit for Latvian potato jokes. <laughs> and I That's a deep cut for the, an old podcast that we used to have. Yep. And I will say, if you're nervous, say you would like to do a voice, but you're nervous about performing in front of the group of people you're going to play with, whether you're your friends or people you've uh, met at the game store, or people you've met online... My, do whatever is comfortable for you. As I said at the beginning of this, you don't have to do a voice, but if you want to go for it, just dive in. Go crazy with it, because it will be embarrassing for about five seconds, and then everyone will think it's cool. Trust me on this. Let us move on. Oh, also, uh, if I haven't mentioned it yet, talk to your DM. It seems like an important concept. Yeah. This might be a reoccurring idea that I have. Talk to your DM. Let your DM talk to you. The more communication that you have with the other players and your DM, especially if like, hey, I want to do this voice, and it just so happens that the voice I want to do is the same voice someone else wants to do. Well, maybe someone wants to change their voice, or maybe now you're twins. <gasps> All right, we've put it off long enough. Let's talk about numbers. 
Most of us here have played video games, even if we have not played D&D, and so you are probably familiar with the idea of min-maxing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay, you can want to be a powerful character in D&D. Yes, we're about role-playing and social interaction and community storytelling, but it's kinda also cool to hit things, and it's kinda also cool to take this dice and roll it and add like 14 onto it. So, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to really worry about it, and it doesn't mean that you have to do it. So, I have characters that I have min-maxed, I have characters that I've made sure have the, the right stats in the right places, and then I have some characters that maybe have a negative to some things that they really should have a positive to because it's more fun. When you are deciding where to put numbers in places, are you deciding because it makes sense for the character or are you deciding it makes sense for the numbers? And how do you decide between the two? So for me, it depends on what game I'm playing. Like if I'm gonna be playing in a game store where I'm not gonna really have a, a steady group, then I'm probably gonna go min-max so I can be uh, a good like person to play with and help out the party. If it's a, people, a bunch of people like my dungeon drunks or a group I'm regular with, I'll spread it out. Maybe I don't have that 16 when I'm first starting out in my primary stat. Uh, but I also like, even though, you know, I play a half-orc barbarian and my weakest, it's not like weak, but my weakest stat is intelligence, I still try to do all the intelligence checks. <laughs> it's I, You just role-play your weak stats. Like, that's one of the fun things about min-max is it's not about just being really good at some stuff. You're also really bad at stuff. And so I like role-playing the really bad because the ones and the negatives are a lot more fun. I really like consistency, <laughs> so I really try not to min-max just because I find it, I can't role-play like that. <laughs> I can't, like, I can't, like, because I'll look at it, it's also, I think it's because I'm Asian, so, like, failing at stuff is not in my um, <laughs> genetics. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm just, like, I'm actually really happy when I get a dice bank that's, like, 13 and 14s and 12s, like, across the board, be like, this is the best, like, I will be a nice, even person and balanced. And it never works out like that. But so yeah. all your characters do like the decathlon. They're like good at every. They're just gonna run. They're not good at everything. It. They're just like they're okay and they can handle their own. Their limitations like, are Lauren's limitations. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you play amazing bards though, because that's. I've actually never played a bard. Oh. Oh. It's because bards my DMs hate them. <laughs> May I make an endorsement for a college of glamour bard? Those guys are great. I would love to one day, but. Demetrius yeah. could come back as one, I think. Demetrius yeah. could make a... Actually, I think Demetrius would be the best bard on the planet. Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, as far as the, the raw numbers go, I tend to avoid min-maxing as much as possible. Um, in general, it's partly because I play somewhere between one and ten games a week. So the more that My I see hero. players min-maxing, the more I see the same characters over and over again, which I think is sort of the, the one downside that I really see to min-maxing, is it forces you a lot of times to play a specific race for a class or something like that. Um, but I think as long as you try to avoid full-on perfect min-maxing, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, like, like John was saying, I think everyone wants to be useful. No one wants to play this character that doesn't help out the party. Um, at the same time, I don't think that the goal of D&D &D should be to win the game. Right. And so, yeah. you know, 
I think in a lot of ways, I like to almost ignore my ability scores and just build the ability scores that my character, and it come, kind of comes back to what I was talking about with personality. I try to build the, the bank that fits my character's personality. So if that means putting a dump stat in intelligence because my character is a little slow, then that's definitely what I'm gonna do. If I play a character who, I, I, for instance, I, I played one character who was a dwarf wizard um, who had 20 strength and 20 constitution and 10 intelligence. Um, and it was just that he was so tired of seeing people, adventurers, looking for elven enchanted artifacts that he was like, I'm tired of it, I'm gonna take my stuff that I've made in my smithy and I'm gonna try to learn how to enchant it. So, you know, in, in that case, obviously I started to take spells that didn't require having a strong intelligence as much. It, you know, I kind of crafted the character to that bank, but it was a lot of fun to play a character that was not a wizard on the stat sheet. And that's where the numbers and your character meld. You do not have to build this personality and this character and then on this side also have numbers and stats. The two are in one character and the numbers can inform things about your character and your character can inform where you wanna put the numbers. I have a rogue that is, um, she is an Aarakocra rogue because Aarakocra, woohoo. And she is the most insightful character of all time. For those of you who care about numbers, at level 20, she has a passive perception of 32. She's watching us right now. She can see this panel right now. Eyes of the eagle. She can see everything. She can read people from across the room. She knows when people are lying before they've opened their mouths. Santa Claus. Kind of. No, not really. She's Santa Claus if Santa Claus killed people. So... Krampus. He doesn't? <laughs> She's Krampus. She is, she can, it's funny. The DM, we walk into rooms and the DM just tells me everything. The flip side of that is her charisma, the stat that tells how good she is at communicating with people, is awful. For those that care about numbers, she has a six. She has a negative two to her charisma. <laughs> so she doesn't lie ever because she thinks, well, I can tell you're lying and so you must be able to tell I'm lying. So she never lies to the detriment of her party sometimes, because they're like, no, 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 please don't, please don't. She's just like, oh yes, you should go over there. She also will tell you things, and because she is so awkward and bad at talking, you don't believe her. So she'll be like, the monster is in the other room, it's really scary and bad, and everyone's like, yeah, fine. So she, the numbers have informed how I play this character and help my party decide how to react to this character. Yeah, I think there is, a place for min-maxing and a place for that. So like, I will min-max if I'm trying out something I've never played before. Like the first time I did a Warlock, I min-maxed, I picked the race that would go with it the best, and then I decided I would just kind of add some fun stuff in. I think the first Warlock I, pl Warlock I played was a game, an Avengers League game we were playing. Yeah, that was at PAX Unplugged. Uh, that was uh, the playtest for one of my mods. Yeah, yeah. we, we playtested, but I think it's a good way to get to know something. Like, it's a good way to say, like, okay, I know that these are stats where I have room to understand how this character plays. I can get to know, like, going from one kind of spellcaster to a different kind of spellcaster, warlocks are going to work a little bit different than clerics do. Um, but one. then, like, after I played that one, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and start thinking of fun, different things I can do. Uh, Bernie was the first character I played, and I didn't do any of that. I was like... I don't really want to be a cleric. I'm going to make this interesting for me. So I think there's space you could, if you're like the one who responded to the DM last or the email last 
and, and you get the character that's going to fill the spot because someone else took the kind of character you wanted. Um, Barbarian? No, I wanted to be a wizard and oh, want okay. to make things go boom. Um, it's fun. Well, and so now you're a cleric. Let me tell you, making you, things explode, super fun. And now you're a cleric well, who makes things I go boom. Birdie can do that now. Birdie yeah, Birdie can do that now. But, like, I just decided, like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make her, like, the kind of cleric who is super charismatic and can just convert you on the spot to her religion and so I put way more into charisma than I normally would so there's I think there's ways to min max to learn something new to get like a really good feel for something but then it's like you're like well I'm just gonna like like when we played the first the first druid I played everybody's like oh this is the thing you need to pick because then your druid will be really powerful and I was like I want to be a Disney princess. I want to talk to animals. Like, I just, like, it's, it's, you kind of have to, if you're really, like, worried about feeling something out, go min-max. But if you're like, mm, you know what, I want to do this. Like, pick the thing that speaks to you. Yeah. Pick the one that you think will be fun to play. Yeah. Be, That's at the end of the day. Fun. What do you think will be fun yeah. for you? What do you think is going to be fun? You don't, get, don't get yourself stuck with a character. You're like, uh, I didn't think, I thought hitting things would be a lot better than this. And speaking of that... Say you create. Say you've never played D and D before, or you've only played a couple times, and you're trying something out, and you're you're just not feeling it, or you know maybe the numbers haven't worked out for you, or maybe you want to change something. Hey, I have a suggestion. Talk to your DM. This this is the first time hearing of it. Yeah. It, we should all say it together. Talk, Talk to, to your, your DM. DM. Your DM wants you to have as much fun as, as they can possibly make it. And if you have created something, or if you're having problems creating something, if you've never created a character before and you're like, I don't know what these numbers are, what are you talking about, 13 in charisma? Talk to your DM. It's very easy for the DM to sit down and be like, I, I want to help you because if you're happy with your character, we're gonna have a lot more fun. So if you create something and it doesn't work out, even if you've already played a couple of sessions, you are never tied into anything. Talk to your DM. I mean, okay. we did that with Carlton. Yeah. He, we started, uh, so Carlton, our character in Dungeon Drunks, is the very first D&D character I ever played. And I went Berserker, and I was getting a little kind of burnt out on it, and Xanthars came out, and they had the new Ancestral Guardian, and I was like, hey, Lauren, is this something we could switch to? And we talked about it, and we figured out a way to work it into the story, and we did. And so often we can work it into the story, but also I have played games in where a player has come up to me and said, I really, I'm just not having fun with this character. And you don't even have to worry that uh, story reasons. You just show up with a new character, and as long as everybody at the table is like, yeah, we want you to have fun, and so we're just going to retcon that you were a, a goblin rogue the whole time. It's great. <laughs> Sometimes your DM comes to you and is like, we need to talk about your alignment. <laughs> and some, sometimes your DM says that in front of a bunch of people in the middle of the game. She's sometimes like, wrote, that happened a year ago. <laughs> She's like, you wrote on good on this paper, but you just threatened to kill and eat someone's pet. <laughs> Tomorrow, 3.30, in this exact same spot. Yeah, moving on from that before. <laughs> Are you a fan of fantasy role-playing? Looking for more D&D action outside your normal campaign? Do you enjoy laughing uncontrollably? Look no further than the You Meet in a Tavern podcast. Follow the continuing adventures of Tug, Durf, and Carl as Dungeon Master Joe leads them on the adventure of a lifetime. We're four 20-somethings with dull jobs by day, letting our inner nerd kids shine in our first ever 5th edition D&D campaign together. Fans are calling it a gripping tale with a talented cast, a large source of encouragement to get myself in my own D&D group. 
the funniest D&D podcast I've ever listened to. But don't take it from them. Check out You Meet in a Tavern for yourself on all your favorite podcast apps. That's You Meet in a Tavern, because every good story starts in a bar. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official, free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on PC and Mac on Steam and Web, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, iPad, iPhone, and on all the Android devices. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the podcast, and it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from the Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Force Grey, and more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have, And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folk who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on August 18th, 2019 at 8pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. G-U-Y-S-F-U-R-L-N-O-U-N So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. All right, so you've got an idea of your character. You've got an idea of whether you want to be, you know, kind of what you want to create. And now you're going to do the nitty gritty. You're going to sit down. Hey, it's mid-roll time with either uh, Player's Handbook or D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond, which offers you everything that you need in digital format. There, that ends the mid-roll. Um, I my suggestion, to... so, so you've come up with this idea for a character, you've kind of decided where you maybe want to have your strengths and your weaknesses, you've talked to your DM maybe five or six times, because hey, talking to your DM is kind of cool, and now you're going to sit down with the player's handbook and a piece of paper, or D&D Beyond, and you are going to create this character. There is a walkthrough at the beginning of the player's handbook. Like, the first three pages are just, hey, here's how to fill out your sheet. Here's where to look. When you are finally sitting down, because I think everyone has a way of doing this, when you're actually filling out the sheet, do you do anything in a different order? Do you have recommendations for things in a different order? Do you um, have ways of looking at this piece of paper and coming up with character ideas as you're filling out the form? I didn't know there was a walkthrough in the beginning of the book. (laughs) Hey, there's a walkthrough. Well, there you go. The more you know. There is a walkthrough right at the beginning of the book. It literally walks you through how to play. Also, you can talk to your DM. I really like starting with all of the, like, accoutrement of the stuff. I was just like, what kind of bag do I have? How many daggers do I get? Are they poisonous? (laughs) Like, that's where I I was like, the numbers are great and all. Like, that's the basic stuff. I was like, what kind of cool stuff is my DM going to give me? And that's like right off the bat, like, what equipment do we get? Like, how much money can I have? Yeah. I love the trinket table. I love the trinket table so much. (laughs) It's so much fun. I throw as many trinkets in my benches as I can. I I don't know. There's also decided, just like, oh, well, I guess, like, if I have this cool thing, then maybe I can use, do you know what I mean? Like, for yeah. my, my strength will be awesome for this, or, you know. I, I sit down and do all the math first, because it's my least favorite part. I'm just like, all right. Get the homework like, out of the way. I have get, like, get the vegetables out of the way. Then I, get math the is the best. I just, like, sit there, and I just, like, I have, like, a little, I have a PDF that I just, like, type in things to, and yeah, then yeah. I have, like, the scrap sheet of paper that looks like I'm in a beautiful mind or something, and it's just, like, <laughs> all, it, it looks, it, I, I look like someone who's maybe plotting a murder when I, like, <laughs> It's the, the like the, the behind the scenes stuff isn't that pretty, but then you have your nice beautiful character sheet. 
And do you ever do like drafts where you like actually like draft? I was like, well, if I put the numbers here, here, yes. and here, this is what this looks like. And then if I put them here, here, and here, this is what this looks like. And That's I was like, really easy to do on D&D Beyond. I literally have, there are some characters of mine on D&D Beyond, I have four or five different versions of, of, whether it's just I put numbers in different places, or I had a character concept, and I'm like, maybe she's a cleric, maybe she's a cleric warlock, maybe she's a ranger, maybe, nope, she's a cleric again. Like, I just try a bunch of different things. It's, it's kind of like trying on uh, clothes. It, uh, Speaking of clothes, does anybody in the this? audience know what their character looks like before they do anything else? Yes, yep. I feel you. Yep. I was going to say it kind of depends on the character. Like, there are some ideas that I've had where I, I like, this massive, like, burst of inspiration uh, hits me, and I'm like, okay, I want to definitely do this because uh, this has been ro rolling around in my head for a while. The, uh, my Warforged uh, cleric that I'm wanting to get off, the, uh, get off the ground is one of those. And then there are some that kind of go through evolutions. Like, I always kind of wanted to do an old-timey boxer and have, like, a mid-Atlantic accent. Like, yeah, see, we're going to do fisticuffs. But he's a monk. So he's, like, super So he can actually do, do fisticuffs. Else, but he's got but a mustache, right? he does fisticuffs. So uh, that was an idea that was rolling around my head for a long time. And I knew exactly what it was going to look like. He was going to look like um, Dudley from Street Fighter Four, I think. Street Fighter three or four. And so, yeah, he was going to have, like, big handlebar mustache. He was going to be super dapper. And then I, it kind of evolved into, well, halfling monks are a lot of fun. And, like, what if this halfling monk was a boxer? Also, what if she was kind of a princess? Like, what if she was, like, a highborn who, like, went to rich kid fight club? And oh, damn. Then what if she died? Like, what if, like, her fight club thing got her killed? So she's already been resurrected through means by the time the campaign starts. And that's her secret, because she doesn't think she's actually that person. She thinks she's, like, the person with a different soul. And so she's, like, impersonating. And so that kind of evolution turned into one of my favorite characters that I play. And I didn't see if the, uh, the DM for that game came in. She's but somewhere. Yeah, but, um, like, and that was just an evolution. Like, I, I started with one idea, and then it... And it came out with another, and it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. So, and then with Jonathan the Magic Muscular, honestly, I phoned it in. I, I just, I had no, I had never played 5th edition before. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be a wizard. I'm going to blow, blow stuff up. Oh, I get this ability? Cool. You're also like the world's strongest wizard. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah you rolled really well on your stats. We rolled for stats for our D&D, for our Dungeon Drunk characters, and uh, John and I rolled particularly hot. So for, yeah. um, again, the numbers, um, my wizard has a strength of 16, which is as much as a lot of barbarians start out with, a, a constitution of 18. Again, and barbarian. A, and an int of 20. I you know didn't. that moment where I've been telling you to talk to your DM? Here's the moment oh. where, as a DM, I'm talking to all of you DMs. Uh, the standard array or point by is it's so great. awesome. It's so much better. It's so good. Array. Yeah, my barbarian, like I said, his weakest stat is intelligence, and it's still a 12. Yeah. yeah. I did, it's just, I we, we rolled array. super hot, and uh, Lauren uh, initially kind of filled, uh, even things out by giving uh, uh, some of the other characters better items to kind of make up for that. And I think in the end, like... Uh, at this point, Bernie's uh, wisdom is just as high as Jonathan's in, so yeah. like our saves are the same. We do the same amount of damage with like our AOEs and stuff. So yeah, my wisdom's it like evens out. So yeah, that would be the point in where you talk to your DM because hey, say you do <laughs> roll for your, your stats, and you 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 know 
sometimes it's just easier to give the players fun things. Oh, you just have really good stats? All right, I'll make sure that the other players in this game are not gonna feel bad by making sure they get the first couple magic items and I give them fun things, so. Also, like, I don't know. I like to talk, talk your characters out with someone. Like, yeah. it can be your DM. Your DM's a great person, but like, Poor Steven hears every idea for every character. My fiance hears every idea for every character like I've ever had. Like he came home one day and I was like, I'm playing in this one shot. I'm gonna be a bard. I was like, I know exactly what she's wearing. I know how insane she is. I know what her voice sounds like. I was like, her name is Banjo Deborah Jones and she plays the spoons. And he just goes, that, okay. <laughs> like, like I, I, he's, he just like listens and nods and that's how I know he loves me because he lets me just like babble on about all these characters I want to play but sometimes it helps to like talk it through someone because if you are pitching your character and you're like yes I like this and they're gonna do this and she's gonna have a pink sweater with cactuses on it and it's gonna be great and then you're like yeah I'm so stoked to play this character and sometimes they'll be like so so you had this idea huh huh, tell me some more about that. And then you can be like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best idea after all. Like, <laughs> Steven sounds like my wife. <laughs> so the exact same thing. This is an amazing transition to step five on taking over the D&D world, which is, hey, you're creating your character and your character is awesome and it's going to be so much fun, but you've probably got a party of people that you're playing with. And so... I've been telling you, hey, talk to your DM this whole time. Now is the time you get to be a team player. That conversation that you've been having with your whoever, that can be the other people in your party. Because sometimes, sometimes it's good to spring surprises on the players, but often when you have those discussions, then fun things can come up. Oh, you and I are from the same region and we have the same backstory? Well, maybe we're brother and sister. Um, oh, you're gonna go do this thing? Well, maybe I'll do this thing. And now we have this connection together. So being able to have those connections with the other players because you're building your character together can help make the D&D game really awesome. Um, what other ways, when you're building your character, when you're talking to fellow players, what other things do you try to do to help create that team cohesion? Yes, Jonathan. I needed to raise my hand because uh, I just real quick, the picture that I think is up on the screens right now is one of my favorite pictures of us. Aww. Because whenever I see it, it's like Aww. the, it's like I'm hearing the Justice League Unlimited theme or the Avengers theme or all, anything else. Um, and this was taken, is she here? This was taken a last year by a wonderful photographer. It, it, it's, yeah, she's right there. There she is. She's so good at cosplay she's awesome. photography yeah. too. We like your pictures, they're gorgeous. Sonia, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Also, you're pretty handy. You're a pretty handy Dean, uh, Destiny player too. So, like, when it comes to, I think talking to your team is really great because it was um, the two of us and another one of our friends, and we that when we got into our let's be like three owls in a trench coat, and we were just in like a group message, and I was like, I want to be. Like, I want to be a halfling. And he was like, I want to be a halfling. And I was like, okay, I have so many halflings. Oh, my God. And then I was like, let's be three owls in a trench coat. And it was basically one little idea and all of us just being like, let's be this, let's be this. I want to be this. I want to be like, I think we decided we would be like cousins, country mouse, and city mouse. Yeah. And you would be, you would be the, like, person who had, like, he was, you were playing a bard. Oh, yeah. You'd be the person who, like, kind of steered your socially inept idiot cousin from the country around and like kept her from getting into like dumb situations and it worked out really I also, well. I also took Skyrite just so I could have like in the clouds like now performing three hours in a trench coat. Yeah, it just, I, we literally were 
just it's like sometimes you're just sitting there as a group just being goofy and one of the other people who we were playing with we'd never played with before and I was like she's gonna think we're crazy and we pitched this and she was like yes she's like my character is the flaming comet she is always on fire she is hitting on everything and we were just a hot mess but a beautiful one beautiful hot mess playing our way through kind of a side quest in Barovia. Uh, this was supposed to be a grimdark game. It didn't really work out <laughs> no. that way at all. But yeah, yeah like, talk, like, just, like, pitch an idea. Be like, I want to be this. And most likely, every week will, everyone in your group will be like, yes, well, I want to be that too. I also did get some madness from Strahd, so I turned my flute into a flask and become a flusk. Okay. So I would drink while playing. I think I still have on my character sheet for her, like... It was great. So my madness was, I'm the smartest, wisest, strongest, fastest, and most beautiful person I know. The complete opposite of complete the character. Complete opposite of everything I built for that character. It was one of the most, it was one of the most fun little, like, <laughs> mini arcs we've ever played in. How, how about that end of the table? I was going to say, for like some of us that play a lot of public games or NALs, like, that you may not have the opportunity to actually talk to your teammates. Um, and if you're very lucky to be able to like play with your best friends and stuff like that's awesome and you probably are already talking to them but a lot of times uh, if you're, especially if you're a new player you might just join a game at a store or hop into an AL like uh, it's I just sort of when I don't know who I'm playing with I just try to then find a couple of things that I can add to my character that will make me a good team player I mean lay on hands and you know what I mean like stuff like that even if you're not a cleric <laughs> Land hands is the greatest spell ever, though. Yeah. <laughs> Paladins are wonderful. Paladins. Or Paladins, sorry. Um, but, you know, whatever it is to be able to say, like, just not be a douchebag walking into the table and, you know, <laughs> have something to offer. Like, so that also your teammates maybe like you and, like, want to continue to play with you. And so at our store, we actually award um, one person each week with fellowship. So whoever gets like a free session the following week or gets another bonus for being the best team player. So even if you don't know anyone at the table and you come sit, like you'll get a reward just for coming to the table with the mindset of being a good person. Yeah, and this is like a secret ballot group vote. So it's basically, you know, no one gets kind of picked out out, out loud, but it's, it's a good, I've, I've found that it's a really good way to encourage players to play to the other people at the table, to, to play characters and have character moments that entertain other people, but also to do that selfless thing. Do the thing that helps the party, even if it means hurting you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, that that's actually built a really strong community of players there, yeah. even and, if they didn't know each other to begin with. And, and if you need help coming up with how to do that, is, especially if it, this is I'm sitting down, I'm not going to have a chance to talk to these people ahead of time, but I found the easiest thing to be that team player and to help other people is be the character that just asks lots of questions. And you don't even really need to build that into your character very much. Be the character that's just curious. Oh, that was really cool how you did that. How do you, how do you know how to shoot that bow like that? Like, even just really simple questions Engaging the other players in game, in character, is a super easy way to build that kind of team camaraderie. And we all like talking about ourselves. If I ask you about you and you get to talk about you, everyone likes that. It's kind of nice. I think like building on that, um, good ideas and imagination are in everyone. You can be super outgoing, you can be a super extrovert, you can be a super introvert they don't select between personality types, but I think if you are that outgoing person, it's not just within character, like there may be somebody at your table who's a little more shy, who's a little more quiet, 
and it takes five seconds to be like, hey, what does your character think about this? Um, if someone's like never role played before and they don't want to get up there and do their best impression of a lady they met in like a bar, like <laughs> you can, I think it doesn't take very much to come in and be like, wow, I'm really comfortable in this space, but I haven't heard from this person in a while and I bet they have a lot of ideas, but maybe they're a little afraid to share them. So literally just being like, hey, Jonathan, what does your character think we should do? Is like it takes you no effort, and it also like if you don't have an idea, it's a really good way to shove off the decision <laughs> making like, on someone else. It's true. <laughs> like bump that so someone else can spike it. And and uh, having played uh, a few games with uh, with newer players and maybe some shyer players, yeah, that kind of engagement is really great because uh, you just kind of get there. Like maybe they don't want to jump into the active conversation, but still like throwing it back to them and saying, "Hey, man, you know, uh, what do you think about this?" And like, let's say you have a uh, uh, you know, a ranger that is kind of shy, and you have a very rangery situation that you're about to be faced, you can specifically go to them and say, hey, what do you think about this? And it gives them a, a chance to shine. Yeah. And remember, nobody wants to play with a selfish player. Like, two years ago, I went to a game store with a buddy, only person I knew, and we were, you know, we're going to play in this campaign, and, you know, we were team players, and we're with that same group two years later now from storyline to storyline to storyline, same group of friends creating new characters. So go in be the, be, being a team player and you can also like, find a group to stick with week after week. I just bring wanted snacks, to, bring beer. Bring <laughs> I just wanted to say, if allowed at your game store. One more, thing about, uh, one more thing about like, team composition. And this is gonna be, this is kind of a, one of those, like, it's sort of similar to the min-maxing question. It's like, team comp, is that a thing? And this isn't Overwatch, this isn't League of Legends. That, you know, it, it is, there are benefits to having every sort of skill set covered, but weird team comps and weird groups of players can still make it work. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, the party that I have where they don't bother healing during a fight because they just kill everything super fast. Our, our ranger, I think, um, uh, Lori, uh, who plays uh, uh, Taz, um, can do about 30 points of damage per arrow shot twice. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and... Sharpshooter? Sharpshooter. And no. she just took a couple of levels of fighter so she can get Axe and Surge. Of course. So... Battlemaster as well? Uh... I had to get that extra D8? Champion. Just, okay. Yeah. She, uh, she went champion crit, crit for, the, uh, for the crit, for yeah, the crit yeah. chance. I did and, that. and that's the thing. I think that party is like an Eldritch Knight fighter, a Warlock Paladin, um, now Sorcerer, and a Monk... A, and I, oh, I'm forgetting someone. But basically, all damage all the time. Basically, their healing is their rangers cure wounds every once in a while and the potions that I'm way too generous in giving. <laughs> but, and, and like I said, it works. I've never seen a party like that go this long and nothing bad happening to them, especially with some of the stuff they've been fighting. I was going to follow up with uh, Lauren's Lovely uh, next slide here. <laughs> um, hey, hey, if you're wondering what the next slide is, guess what? Talk Let's talk to your DM. And with that in mind, it's just like, even with party dynamics, as I've had a number of players as a DM, like, you know, notice that there were some things amiss and been like, you know what, maybe we can just give you this spell that sort of helps everyone sure. out. Like, maybe it's not actually in your class, but who cares? I'm the DM, I can do whatever I want. And so that's sort of the fun thing, too, is that especially talking to your DM and you're like, I noticed that we don't have anyone who can pick locks and you're putting us in a lot of dungeons. <laughs> like, you know, um, 
can, you know, how do I, how do I acquire this? Like, you know what? I might send you on a quest to find something of that nature, to sure. learn it somewhere, you know? So that's where things I think can get a lot more fun when you do talk to your DM. If you solution seek, um, and especially if you have a DM that's super cool about stuff and really wants to make it more fun, um, that will break the rules for you. Didn't you once try to pick lock with bobby pins? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guess what? I now I picked a lock with a bobby. Did I do at least one? You did it at least once, and and then suddenly you had a quest line for learning how to get proficient with picking yeah. locks because <laughs> she talked to her DM. Yep. So we've got about five minutes left, and we do want to take, if anyone has any questions, there's a, I believe there is a microphone in the middle of the room. So while everyone is queuing up, if anyone does have any questions, I would like to start at the end at the other Lauren and go down the line with any, if you had like one tip for new players, for creating a character, what would it be? I would want we to kind of say talk to your DM. <laughs> <laughs> That was the correct answer. Inspiration. No. Yes. Oh, man. Um, I, I think that sort of to go back on the things I've said before, play to the people across the table from you. Um, remember that this is collaborative storytelling. It's not your story only. Respect the other people's story as well. Learn to listen. Give everyone at the table a chance to have their moments. And, and I think that would be my my biggest tip to new players is don't be afraid to, to share your character and then to wait and let them share their characters as well because just what we've been talking about, everyone has great concepts for their characters. Appreciate the ones that other people have come up with too. Jonathan? Uh, my tip for new players is to be here tomorrow at 3.30 <laughs> for the Dungeon Drunks live show. I, um, I, I would say uh, just don't be afraid, uh, be, be be as fearless as you can when you're coming up with this character. Uh, embrace what, what you're going to really like about it and, uh, and just go with it. It's, it's going to be fine and it's going to be fun. And if not, hey, if they die, you get to make a new character. Hey. Or they can come back. Or they can come back. As undead. Or both. Uh, I would say don't get hung up on the numbers. Uh, make a character that you find that you would really enjoy playing because if you're lucky enough, you can continue playing this character a lot because you know even if they die they might come back um i would say there is no character there's no fictional thing you can do or make that is as important as it kind of going along with what you said the people that you're with like i was so lucky i wanted to play dungeons and dragons and they were playing a game and i was like man i really want to play i've never played before and they're like what a great idea for you to join us and it's many years later and these are some of my best friends and I would be lying if I said we didn't butt heads sometimes about things, but there's literally nothing about this person that is on a piece of paper that is as important as the physical human beings that you're playing with. And if you're really lucky, you're gonna walk in there and you're gonna leave with people and you're gonna be in their wedding one day. Like, it's, it's a really great thing. Don't give that up for something on a piece of paper. Use that piece of paper to enjoy the people you are with. Very seriously, we were playing. Like I met Tom through my store at D and D, and he actually officiated my wedding six months ago. Lauren like, is literally. going to be the Lauren is DMing my wedding in the fall. That's and, what Tom did. He literally DMed my wedding. And oh Jonathan my god! Is, uh, officiating mine, and these two <laughs> lovelies are my groom's people. This so. literally yeah. could be your there's life, a, guys. There's just a matrix of, a lot of love here. up here. Yeah. A lot of love, but we probably should get the. I still need to question. Okay, so we're gonna blitz through this. So you had a question. Hello. Um, so I'm about to DM for the first time ever. Thank you. Yeah. You're a hero. My question is, what advice would you no, give for a strong, successful session zero? 
Don't be afraid to screw up and laugh about it and keep going. I, I have just stood up here and multiple times talked about, you know, here's D&D Beyond and here's all the books and here's all these numbers. You don't need to know any of it. It's, it's going to be fine. If you have decided you want to be a DM, which is awesome, and you're going to run a game, everything else will happen. Everything else will be okay. Don't worry if you don't remember how the spell works, if you don't remember what their class abilities do. If you get something wrong, eh, whatever, it's fine. Just laugh and enjoy it. I found that the my best session zeros were when it was just like real low-key, low laid back, like we're not even going to play the game, we're just going to build characters, we're going to talk about the world, we're going to talk about each other, and then your characters have that going into the actual game itself, and it kind of really kickstarts things. So just like make it fun and laid back. Thank or you, you could kill you. everyone off in the first session. <laughs> yeah. You could do that too. I mean, that'll make it memorable zero, for sure. Not, I, I definitely did that once. You <laughs> kill all your characters in session zero. That's yeah. wow. But your players think you're a kind and generous DM and then show them otherwise. Yep. Yes, please. Show them what happens when you don't follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you show up late to a session. With a hammer down. Sorry. All right, Blitz. I actually have two questions. I, okay, we've got one minute, so make them fast. All right, um... <laughs> On the character sheets, what, what do I write under initiative? So You're going to talk to your DM, okay. and your DM is going to help you, because it depends Cause on my, other my, numbers. My, my cousin's my DM, and he had no clue, so. Well, so your initiative is going to depend on what other numbers on your character sheet. Why don't you come up to me afterwards? I'll take a look at your character sheet, and I'll help okay. you out with that. and... Um, Actually, I just forgot my second question, so never mind. Well, yeah. well that's okay. I'm going to chat with you afterwards, and I can answer that, too. Thank you. Yes. So um, I was wondering if you had any suggestions for a DM that would help make a campaign more serious. Mm. Oh. oh man, I you asked the comedy podcast you people. The wrong people. <laughs> I mean, I like having comedy throughout it, just like for yeah. like serious moments. Oh, actually, you oh. Know what? We, we actually do have some good serious moments sprinkled in. So um, one of my friends who I've played with, ironically not D and D, but Call of Cthulhu. Which, again, we turned into something really a whole bunch of idiots running rampage through a horror game. But um, so Kiana is a great DM, and I think that's her Twitter handle, but I can find it for you. She recommends having your players give you something she calls knives, which is when you're thinking about, tell your players, when they're thinking about their backstory, you don't have to plan this whole thing out, but you do need to plan out some things in their past that you as a DM can just take out and stab them and twist it a little bit for some, this is literally yeah. her description. Yeah. Have your, put that work onto your players. Have them create a little, enough backstory that you can reach in and say like, oh, this is this serious thing. Um, on the other side of that, also have your players communicate with you because if you wanna play something serious, let them tell you things that they just don't want to get into yeah. for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason. Give yeah. them a veto power because if you wanna play a serious game, and if you want to have serious themes, you need to have your players comfortable and safe in order yeah. to do that. Um, and if they have a veto power, or she call it, or a veil, where they can say, "Hey, I'm we we just can't go this direction," and everybody at the table agrees to that, you are then safe to go romping through a horror world or romping through a really serious emotional thing. But if you ask for some knives, ask for some emotional, just horrible, like. Oh, you know, a, a bear ate my dad when I was a kid, and now we're giving the other ro the other ranger a bear familiar, and we're not, you know, like there's little things they can give you that you can use as a DM, and that that is one of the best things 
not my advice, but hers, and yeah. I've seen it in action. It's fantastic. Use your players' backstories, like not just kniving, but like in a game that I ran with Jonathan, he had a, lo- a lover, uh, a, a partner that he thought was gone, and I brought them back, and it was a very serious thing, and they communicated and played with, but like use your players' backstories. Not only can you help build your world and make it serious, but it also makes your players more involved. Yeah. And just to be clear, though, it is the players' characters' backstories. Yeah. Do not do it, though, with their actual personal backstories. Yeah. No. Yes. Absolutely no. not. So make sure that you're focusing on the characters' stuff and, as a, and make sure you understand that they, everyone understands that very clear distinction. It's, yeah. That is an excellent place. Unfortunately, we have to stop. I see all these lovely people who stood up to ask questions, and now I'm going to say thank you. But unfortunately, there's other awesome panels that we have to make room for. Definitely, uh, if you have any questions, come on by. Definitely visit Mothership Games down on... All of our DMs are also there. We're going to have the D&D Beyond folks there as well hanging out all weekend. So if you guys do have other questions, come by and talk to us. And thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.